Hi team, welcome back to Becoming a Doctor. I'm Kira, a third year medical student at the University of Birmingham. And I'm Lucy, a second year medical student at the University of Cambridge. Welcome back to our podcast series where we bring you honest insights about life as a medical student, discuss current affairs and talk to guests to inform and motivate you on your journey to becoming a doctor. Before we jump into this episode, make sure to subscribe to our podcast, follow us on social media at How to Become a Doctor with Dr. Svelte DR, where we'll be posting behind the scenes, doing live Q&As and much more. On today's episode, we're joined with Dr. Sarah Bailey. And without further ado, I'll let Sarah introduce herself to you guys and tell her a bit about why um, and what specialty maybe she's going to chat to you about. Hi guys, thank you very much for having me today. As you said, my name is Dr. Sarah Bailey. I am a GP trainee. I'm a GPST2 in the West Midlands and I'm also a sports medic working for the Worcester Warriors women's rugby team, which is epic. I love sport, I love exercise. And so I think that's why the girls have asked me on today to talk about sports and exercise medicine, how to get into it um, and why I love it as a career. Amazing. Okay, so I'm already really, really intrigued about what you're doing in sports medicine because I think it's such a cool field to be in. But maybe for everyone, do you think you could just tell us a bit about what it involves on a day to day basis? Yeah, absolutely. So it depends. It really, really does depend which sport you're working in and to what capacity you're working in. A lot of sports and exercise medicine is part time work, which is done alongside a career in the NHS. Some people do work full time, perhaps in institutions like the English Institutes. Uh, sport so it just depends where you are really but for me what it means is I'm part-time in sports medicine and I am admittedly junior in sports medicine and I'll go into that a bit later about support networks and what to do but I work uh, a couple of days a week for a rugby team and I run clinics for them and also cover pitch side for games so rain or shine I'm out there with my little med bag ready to kind of cover if anything is unfortunately going wrong but also I'm there to help manage long-term chronic issues i.e. perhaps tendonitis, etc., which we may be managing um, alongside the rest of the medical team, which involves physios and sports therapists. Yeah. And I know from like looking through Instagram, this has not been something you kind of woke up overnight and thought, you know, I'm going to do sports medicine. You've been doing it for quite a while. So perhaps if we start maybe chronologically where this kind of love began and how you got into it. Yeah, for sure. Um, so it... <laughs> I was one of those who didn't really know what they were going to do. I always said I wasn't going to be a GP and I wasn't really sure. I thought I might go into trauma and orthopedic surgery. I had great ideas of walking down corridors and heels, being like this boss orthopedic <laughs> surgeon. I spent a lot of time at university playing sport, being involved in sport. My main sport used to be lacrosse and then I kind of sidestepped into just casually playing a bit of rugby for the medics, which I really enjoyed. Um, And actually, for the first couple of years throughout med school, I didn't really have the time to be looking into anything more than passing medical school, really, past careers. Um, And then probably towards the year of my med school, I started thinking, okay, actually, I really enjoy sport, looking at kind of Instagram pages or articles about people working in sport and thought maybe it's something I want to look into. Um, And then it was only actually my F1 year, um, so my foundation year one, I thought, okay, let's actually use some of my time that I've got. We had a kind of an induction study week where we could use it as a taster week. Um, So I emailed a few people, pinged off a few LinkedIn, etc. And I got one LinkedIn back um, from a rugby team and said, can I come and shadow you for a bit? They went there. Um, And that's basically where the passion started. Like, I just really enjoy being around the environment. Mm -hmm. I don't know 
I'll play sport. I was a clean sports person, so my parents only wanted me to do like I did swimming, trampolining, diving, synchronized swimming. So all stuff I didn't get muddy, and my parents were warm watching me. Well, there we go. You know, though, that, that sort of environment is literally like amazing, and, and if you love that environment, it you like thrive off it. And so I think that I realised by that shadowing week that I really enjoyed being involved in sports teams, and I knew mm-hmm. I'd never necessarily be amazing enough to be an athlete and also it wasn't a passion a passion with medicine but it all started off really with that shadow um i then went on a couple of courses um i was going to talk about and um heard through the grapevine of a job that was coming up at the previously known valkyries which is the um team that i work for now but then known as the warriors we're under the warriors umbrella now um and i applied for it and to my surprise got it and um, that was this is my fourth season there now. So that was when I was junior. So that was when I was an F2. Um, yeah. So here I am now kind of doing a bit of work in a few different sports um, as kind of volunteer roles and also working for the Worcester uh, Warriors alongside my GP training. Which is quite a lot, but I love it. Awesome. Uh, one of the questions I had, so you mentioned at the start that sports medicine is very different depending on what type of sports that you're working in. So how, was it just that experience of working in rugby and then the fact that you played it yourself that drew you to that specific sport? Or how, how did you work that out? It's tricky, isn't it? I think it was whatever was accessible to me at the time. I knew about rugby and I knew I really enjoyed watching it. And I think if you're going to work in something and whatever you're going to do in medicine, whether it is surgery, whether it's cardiology, it kind of needs to be your hobby. So no point me choosing or applying even to work in sports mm-hmm. that I necessarily won't enjoy. I think there is something to said with, to be said really to get a vast array of knowledge because I learned stuff in rugby, but actually I did a bit of work in boxing recently and I took so many skills away from that that are actually very transferable and will improve how I work in a lot of different sports. So I think it is good to spend a bit of time. But I think if you're doing a long-term job, for me, it's whatever's your hobby, I think is, is great. So that's why I didn't go into trauma orthopedic surgery because I knew actually Surgery wasn't my hobby, but I really liked the MSK part of it. So perhaps if I had my day again, maybe I'd go into physio. I don't know, but I really enjoy that aspect of it. So having that as a little drink to my bow as a doctor, I think is quite helpful. Yeah, there's that age old saying, isn't there? If you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life or something. Um, I remember people telling me that when I was applying to university and things and never really understanding what they mean. But now you, you've said it in a really nice way. And I completely I completely appreciate that. I think it's really good that you're loving what you're doing. Um, one of the things I was wondering is so like obviously you have to do something for the first time, but in medical school I don't feel like we get taught much about sports exercise medicine so in my fifth year or in I don't feel like I'd have the experience and knowledge to do something and do a decent job at it I think I'd be like there praying oh my god please no one get injured how did you feel on the first time you were doing it I was really really nervous super nervous and um, I was lucky that I had a good supportive team around me I did a couple of courses which kind of keyed me mm. um, to being a- appropriately trained to hold the role um, but I think the, you saying that just underlines that actually, as long as you have the self-awareness, you may be, like I mentioned, junior in a specialty, and that you also need further support, then I think that will lead you to have longevity in whatever sport you are, and always be seeking opportunities to learn and improve yourself. Mm-hmm. I think 
you're right it, it can be really really stressful and a bit nerve-wracking when you start but like i say having support networks around you can be great so i've got um the men's doctor is very very supportive and when i was more junior not in a um, gp training program was kind of the lead clinician to cover me and had any ideas any thoughts about players i'd ping them off him and we'd discuss and do cpd which is like clinical professional development to make sure that i was growing and not floundering in a role that was just way too big for me because you can take on too much and it's just having that self-awareness that actually I need a bit more support in this role if you do and um, that will help you improve and succeed in that role I think. Mm. You mentioned lead clinician there so what is the sort of structure and setup for a sports medicine team what might be? Usually how it works is there is it's difficult because I'm fortunate to be working in um, in a club that has a brilliant setup. We have a really, really good setup. Um, and so they are able to have doctors, sports therapists, um, physios, etc. around and available to run clinics. And there's also mm-hmm. medical, which is um, one of my sports therapist colleagues who heads everything up. So any problems, pings them over to me. But I've done that role for a couple of months and it was so much. I was like, <laughs> no, not alongside you. So, so there's that role that's kind of like the top of the umbrella that looks after everybody making sure that everybody's got their feedback everybody knows what they're doing all the stuff is collected so that's kind of like the person that arranges everybody so you've got a head of medical and you've got doctors physios sports meds kind of coming off that mm-hmm. very very different in a perhaps a lower league club environment they may not have as much money and be having perhaps a sports therapist once a week. They might request a doctor for cover at the weekends. They might just have a first aider. So all these clubs provide an opportunity for you to go and do work experience and have time around that club. One of the things in sports medicine, like there is a lot of grafting before you get paid and that is fine if you love it. But if you don't love it, then you're just going to be frustrated that you have to put the work in. And I remember back in many like when I was leaving uni a lot of people suggested that they wanted to do sports med which is awesome and actually looking at people now because of the heaviness of the training programs and stuff like that if you haven't got the time and energy to invest early on or later on but the time and energy to invest in it then you won't necessarily get those connections and get those placements that you need to further your skill set in that area yeah because there's only a certain number of hours in a week and when you mentioned earlier that you kind of do a couple of days with that job and then your training as well have you done anything with your training to make it more flexible or is it you're literally cramming everything in the good thing is it's not a full day it's an evening so usually I'll do clinics and work day and then go there from say five to ten um if it's a longer day and then the weekends would be like a Saturday or sometimes a Sunday depending on what you're doing um, mm-hmm. but yeah it's funny I've been thinking about that recently actually about kind of balancing things like sports med Instagram all that sort of thing with my training program because I mm-hmm. always love burnout and things like that and I think it's super important as medics you get a work-life balance which I know with with sports med I would definitely have longevity in that and it will give me that work-life balance um, mm-hmm. but yes I've been thinking about that possibly my ST3 year I may extend slightly um possibly just go 75% I'm not sure yet but um, it's something I've thought about, but at the moment I'm managing. I went just <laughs> basically everybody did everything at all times of the day. So having that structure and that, right, I'm doing this, this, this mm. thing kind of works for me. But I know some people might listen and go, oh my gosh, how is she doing it? But um, yeah, if you love it, like we said, it's fun, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Was your decision to go into GP anyway influenced by 
um, maybe the hours commitments of working in surgery with orthopedics may not have worked as good with your sports medicine interests or is that not a consideration that crossed your mind yeah absolutely 100 percent, you're right it is a consideration that crossed my mind um after talking to a number of people that worked in sport i felt that gp would give me like i mentioned that work-life balance to allow time to go into sport because i know that actually 18 months of my gp block i'm not going to be working on calls i'm going to be working normal days and perhaps a few out of hour sessions but it's no nowhere near really the um the commitment that a TNO perhaps training program and rotor would be. Um, so I think absolutely it's a, it's a consideration. And the other reason I wanted to do it was it enables you to get a consultancy within a three year period, which means coming back to what you mentioned about lead clinician, it allows you to be a lead clinician from an insurance point of view, a general practitioner point of view in a club setting. And then if you do want to go into the SEM training program, which is the sports exercise medicine training program, it can be easier in that training program to actually get very good roles because you're already able to be the lead clinician whilst in that setup. So you could do GP and then go into sports and exercise training? Yes, absolutely. Right. He acts as that ST1, one, two year um yeah kind of training that that would then possibly lead on to it the other things you can do is a couple of years of ed training and um, emergency department training and go on to um it as well but you wouldn't necessarily have your consultancy then so it makes those roles a little bit more difficult when you're in the same training to kind of be able to do them without supervision i know um yeah. it's it's might be a long way away but are you thinking about going into that training pathway um and if so is there anything like that you're doing now because i looked at this and there were barely any spaces at all it seemed very competitive yeah for sure so I think it is you're absolutely right it's very competitive I think there's I don't know but they cut the numbers it could be seven it could be 20 I'm not sure but it's, it was within the like kind of single to double digit yeah. training programs at all and um, it's something I've considered and it's something that I'm continuing thinking about is that what I want to do um a couple of my friends actually this year two women I'm like yes have just got into the esports med training program. Yeah, uh, absolutely bosses, and they're yeah doing it this year. So actually, I'm in a position where I might just pick their brains and see mm. a couple of years down the line when I've got my GP training if that's a way that I would go to kind of see how they it. Because actually, I know that I really love the sport aspect of sports and exercise medicine, um, and I'm not sure because I really haven't had much exposure to the exercise aspect, so kind of the exercise physiology, etc. So I'm not sure how much I would love that. I know that I love being pitch side so I think actually I probably need to do a bit more research into that aspect to see if I would enjoy it as much I would have thought I did would given I love it in the respect of ET etc but it's certainly a consideration because there are other ways of obviously doing sports med you can do the sports medicine training program or you can perhaps do something like a portfolio career alongside GP I didn't even know, I didn't even think that they were different things when you said sports side of it and the exercise side of it. I thought oh, sports is exercise, but that's really interesting. Yeah, to be, to be honest, when I started for the, uh, when the rugby, I, I didn't really realise that either, but more and more they're actually trying to get more exercise into the sports and exercise medicine side of things. So it is, has a bit more of a bigger umbrella and you've kind of got a bit more science and physiology in there to make sure that you have information to back up what you're doing in clinic because it's not just MSK to a certain extent in certain roles they'll be doing lots of research obviously sport to at higher levels has a lot of money in even mm. more acronyms of improvement in a player's biological uh, performance can mean a lot of money so I think um, that that's a that's a huge part of it as well 
Yeah, absolutely. And I honestly, I didn't even realise that sports and exercise medicine was its own specialty. I think um, we might have said this before, but I really did think it was something that people just did alongside their other training programmes. And I can't picture it myself. How how does that training system work? Because to me, like specialty training or GP training, you've got this very clear structure of you're in a hospital, you're in a practice and you're being, you've got your own patients, but then you're being constantly helped by your seniors. How does that work in that pathway for sports and exercise medicine? I think from a kind of support network point of view, you still have a supervisor and you have um, people that on each job will be supporting you. And I think as long as certain jobs, for instance, if you say actually as part of this training program, you kind of build a training program around what you want effectively. So I can get a job at this club. Can that be part of my training program? Because I can get this support, this CPD from it, and it will look really good and do that two days a week alongside my job at perhaps a military rehab hospital. So I think I have to say, I'm not completely to the bone clued up on it recently, but that is something from talking to people as well. It is basically you you build it around yourself, but also you do have jobs such as rehabilitation medicine. There are some sports and exercise um, and physiology clinics in the UK. So there might be jobs that include cardiac rehab jobs, cardiac screening jobs, um, sports medicine jobs, looking at complex injury, um, because obviously the usual person that goes to play five-a-side football on a Saturday doesn't have a sports medicine consultant to help them rehab back um, and oversee that rehab, because actually they're fixed from a TNO point of view. The physios have ongoing input, obviously, but sometimes that extra pair of eyes can be really helpful. So that's another role that perhaps can be involved in that sports medicine training. And if in terms of, so you mentioned kind of in fifth year, you got a bit interested. Was it after you applied for your foundation jobs that you did it? Or did you apply to foundation jobs with this kind of sports and exercise medicine idea in mind? I definitely applied not with it in mind. I didn't apply with it in mind at all. Really. I wasn't sure what I was going to do when I applied to foundation. I thought, let's mm-hmm. easy and see. Um, my thought for foundation was it's, foundation year is called that you want to get a good foundation for whatever career you're going to go into and so I went for quite general jobs for that reason I did respiratory I did geriatric upper GI surgery was my first choice job because I wanted that respiratory medicine I always think a you've got the anesthetist b if you're on a night you need to know about b because that's that's the next stage in your so um I thought respiratory would be a really good basis to have for all those medical on calls, et cetera. Um, and then geriatrics, again, if I was going to go into GP, um, a yeah. job, an upper GI, having a surgical job is just completely different to medicine. So I think it's very, very helpful. Um, so I did definitely. And then certainly when I applied for my F2, because I was in a year where you could change, it was in the West Midlands I trained, and I was um, in Worcester Hospital for my F1, and you could change hospital in F2. So I think that's you actually apply for both years but when I applied for my F2 I then kind of had thought oh I might be doing a job in sports medicine I need to kind of think about can I get some jobs where I'm unbanded so I don't have on calls but I know I'm going to have a Tuesday evening and maybe um, off on the weekend so I applied and I got my job which was public health GP, and then A&E last but was over the summer so it didn't affect my rugby job so kind of from now looking forward I am applying to jobs that are relevant but certainly as a foundation year I just thought foundation one let's just get a general general yeah. and now for GP training I had a rehab medicine job for six months 
trauma and orthopedic surgery for six months over COVID. So things have been a little bit different than pediatrics, because again, for a GP, that's super important. And ultimately, mm. it will always be a GP first and a sports medic second, unless I fly the nest, do my STEM training and become a high-end doctor in a very high-up football team where I have to work there all the time. Mm. Because actually a lot of sports medicine is part-time and having a, not necessarily a fallback because I love GP. I love the like psych side mm-hmm. of the GP, I love the MSK side of the GP, but really having that option there for times like COVID where actually sport is completely dropped. Like I've not had a, any work in sport since March time. Then I do think it's super important to have that basis. Mm. So if, if um, medical students were thinking, um, Sarah, is there any specific rotations you'd recommend? Would you get, would you say, you know, get a good foundation and don't worry? Or are there any particular ones? Yeah, I would say in general, get a good foundation and don't worry. Um, it's not going to necessarily really change where you end up. Um, I think an A&E rotation can be really helpful. I had A&E and F2 and it taught me about minor injuries, blowing, suturing, especially in that environment, which... Theatre suturing is a bit strange because you're all completely sterile, you're wearing gowns, you've got gloves on, everyone's watching you. Whereas actually in the A&E department, obviously you're using aseptic, non-touch technique, you're sterile. However, it's just completely different. So I would say an A&E job would be really helpful for working in sport, um, especially on top of that, looking at x-rays, etc. Mm-hmm. Or investigations to order for injury. And then the other one I think TNO is really important because it not necessarily the surgical aspect, but having a TNO job, Perhaps like my last one before COVID, obviously there was all clinics running. So I sat in on sports medicine clinics, a lot of injury clinics, um, which gives you contacts. It gives you knowledge. It increases Mm. knowledge of the sport, of the the speciality. So I think that's very helpful as well. Yeah, uh, I was just thinking, um, I remember when I was applying for medicine, a lot of people did like St. John's ambulance things where they would, they would go and be the first aider at the clubs where they didn't have um, a specific sports medicine doctor. Do you think that would be something that would be beneficial, just going to be a first aider on the pitch? Absolutely. It it shows you exactly what's going to happen to the bottom level all the way to the top, because you're always going to need first aid. And whether it's something minor or whether it's something you need to take to um, the hospital, actually watching a game from a medical point of view is completely different to watching a game from a rugby point of view. And I found that really difficult when I first started because I'd be watching the ball, kind of watching, but actually like now when I watch a rugby game, I'm watching about 30, well not 30 seconds, maybe about five, 10 seconds behind the play so I can make sure that everyone's got up and it's moving on. So that sort of thing would be really helpful because you'd kind of start watching things in a slightly different way and know where to look. I think um, shadowing, emailing people, asking people is is really a great idea as well. Um, people in general want to help if they can. Obviously, shadowing at the moment is going to be difficult. Um, some with COVID, etc., it, it, is, it is difficult to even run clinics at the moment. But obviously, as that changes, it will become slightly easier um, to attend. But the other thing you can do is just speak to people, I think, in the career that you want to go into, whether that's sports med, whether that's something different, mm-hmm. get their ideas on it. It's I think vital though, to not take what everybody says as read as this is what you should do because ultimately you're your own person and though people give really good advice, they don't know where you are or at what stage you are or how competent you are. So I know lots of people that said to me, all sports medicine is very, very difficult to get into and it is a bit of a, you're at the right, like for me, it was the right place at the right time really. I was on a course, someone on the course said, oh, I've just seen this on Twitter, I think it's in your area. I applied and got the job 
So that was very, very lucky, you could say. Mm -hmm. I'd also put myself in situations where I'd be meeting people who understand how much I love sport. So in a way, I've kind of made that luck. So I think you and equally, you had to be at the right place at the right time. Whereas if you hadn't done the course and you hadn't done the work, you wouldn't have got the job anyway. So it's not, it's just the fact that you saw the advertisement. That was the lucky part, but you'd actually prepared before it. So yeah, I know what you mean. You have to be at the right the right table um, and you have to get yourself there um, and you mentioned about courses um, so would you be able to talk about kind of maybe the courses you went on and like you say it's very individual to each person and maybe your thought process behind choosing them because I'm guessing I know a lot of things I've looked at are quite expensive and how you kind of rationalize which ones and either or not. It, you're absolutely right it is an expense <laughs> really it is a larger large expense if you can get these courses in in your f1 I think they're a little bit more flexible at what you spend your money on certainly now I know even for GP they won't pay for my ALS course which seems to me absolutely baffling but because it's part of the core curriculum they won't pay for it but I know that like, if I learn from them and stuff like that I want to have ALS which is acute um, advanced life support and also pitch side as a doctor it's great having advanced life support because it, it all forms part of your assessment um, that's something that you usually for guys that imagine who you do before your first medical job i ideally really before you start in f1 and your trust pays for that in the first instance of the you also have a study budget which will extend further which you can spend on these courses um regarding what courses there are there's loads of courses that you can do for me i do the rfu course because it's what i need basically for my job at the moment i think it is a very good course but obviously i'm biased i haven't done any other courses but for instance, in the level three, it's almost like ATLS, advanced uh, trauma life support, mm -hmm. which you can do if you're uh, well, you can do it if you're a GP trainee. But a lot of anaesthetists and, and doctors will do ATLS. Um, very similar to that, their level three, in that you get to kind of be doing tracheostomies on uh, rather than just models, actual animal. So it, it is it is very good. Um, but the level two is actually about half the price, and is probably that's the mm -hmm. RFU level two. Um, pre-hospital immediate care in school and that is half a price and actually it's probably what you need if you're not being the lead clinician and you're just interested in sport perhaps want to help in a higher up team but in an extraction team it's there and if things are going wrong then you run on and help the doctor you get to watch sport and help if there's a medical problem so it's quite a good gig really that because you haven't got any responsibility but having um physis course or a similar course i know the um FA do a course as well, but the levels are slightly different. I think the level mm -hmm. three of vices is like level six or eight of FA. So it's all very different. So just be careful, you know, what you're kind of getting out of the course. Right. I think other courses like ATLS can be helpful, like I mentioned. Um, mm -hmm. And maybe a surgical skills course as well could be helpful because obviously then you're learning about suturing and wound management, which is obviously helpful in sport. Definitely. I, th I may have got the wrong end of the stick, but are you also a PT? Yeah, well, yes, ish. So basically, I'm just waiting because of COVID. My final exam for my PT level three has been postponed, and I'm like, come on. Um, but I'm, I've done my level two, so I'm a, a technically a fitness instructor at the moment. Past my PT okay. exams, but just need to do the practical. And is that is that um, just because you wanted to, or is that also you've done that for kind of your career in general? Yeah, I, I kind of, I, I really love PT and I love the motivation aspects and I love, um, from a GP point of view, lifestyle med is something yeah. I really am interested in and promoting health and well-being and people taking responsibility for that health and well-being. Obviously, 
in certain situations, they need further support and you can't just put everything onto a person. But I think if you can, as a GP, empower people to make changes which will improve their health, then I think that's really, really good. And that's where the PT kind of comes in. There's lots of modules on like motivational interviewing and also from a sports nerd point of view, I was like, ah, oh, do you know what? I though obviously we learn anatomy at med school. I, I yeah, I know that you can't see it for the podcast, but there was an eye roll, and it is so true. You learn it, it's so difficult to remember. And I just I actually just thought, do you know what? This is a way for me to recover anatomy, further my sport and exercise medicine, specifically Krebs cycle, <laughs> etc. Like um, loads of stuff. So I yeah, I, I thought that would be great. Also, I love it. So I think. We've now just moved house, um, as I mentioned to you guys before we came on the podcast. And I think now I'm settled, perhaps moving forward, I'll start taking on clients, etc. Because I think it is important to have a couple of strings to your bow so that if one, like I mentioned before with COVID, if one of your financial sources goes, then you've got other, other things to have and fall back on. Do you feel like a bit of a trailblazer kind of doing so many different things? Because I feel like it's coming, the more people we speak to, more people are kind of getting into this thing of it's not just to convey about and you're rooting your root in medicine as you want to. And I was when I was looking up and thinking about God, what to ask you, it almost sounds like freelance doctoring. Well, that's, that's not even a word, but like you're having to go out and get the opportunities, whereas often it feels like... Yeah. Uh, even in uni we're kind of spoon-fed and then later on you're spoon-fed okay apply here apply here apply here whereas you're actually having to go out and source opportunities and be your own boss in some aspects so would you have to talk about that aspect of it yeah I, I know exactly what you mean and I, I think we had we had some teaching and people said oh the opportunities on this job this job this job aren't aren't great and I I sat there and my first instinct was you need to go and find the opportunity there yeah. will be opportunities there but as Christians we are experienced enough, intelligent enough to go and find opportunities. You can't find the opportunities that you want at your hospital. Go on LinkedIn, yeah. email people, find out. I know it's easy It's easy to say because it's quite difficult sometimes to have that confidence to be like, do you know what, I'll send an email. I have to send yeah. so many emails in my time and it only takes one response to actually, for them to be like, oh yeah, actually, yeah, I've got some time to do that. Yeah, fine, come on in. So I think, yeah, it is kind of like freelance doctoring really because I, I i'm obviously in the nhs but i have to run yeah. business via the sports sports med aspect of things and that kind of really is freelance um and it you have to learn stuff that i thought i, I didn't really see myself learning like hacks and hmrc and learning about mm. and learning about having different sources of income so it, it is a constant process of learning and wasting time on learning and like it's not time wasted really because you need to learn it in the future but it does feel like it when you start your first tax return the day before it needs to go in years ago I literally called them up and I was like I think I need to pay like I can't work it out and it turned out it was something as silly as I hadn't put my student loan repayments in and then I like no tax basically. so it, it's just learning isn't it but mm. you know, I think there's quite a lot of doctors nowadays that are doing this kind of portfolio career. Uh, yeah. And I think it takes a lot of time management. Um, it takes the right sort of person to be doing it. And um, because a lot of clinicians, we are safe inherently in that yeah. we've gone into medicine, we've got a degree in medicine, it's great, but it can be very, very different, difficult to stray from the path of SD1, SD2, or become a reg, become a consultant. And I'm not putting down anybody that does that because if that is your passion, then you need to do that. But for me, I, I was different. I didn't, I, 
wasn't different because there's loads of people like me, but I was different to that in that I really just couldn't see myself doing that process. So I knew I had to build something around myself that would allow me to enjoy my career in medicine because I'd already committed so much time in my life to it. But yeah, no point going back now. <laughs> so one of the other things we wanted to talk to you about, so on top of all of your interest in sports medicine, we also wanted to talk to you about mm-hmm. your role in social media and how you sort of use that to sort of teach about what you're doing really yeah it kind of it started in my f2 i think i've no end of f1 i think and actually initially i was using it because i called it the gym medic and i was using it for my own accountability for staying fit and healthy i'd fractured my ankle i've fallen a bit off the rails for like exercising and i just thought this is a really good way of me kind of sharing my journey back to being fit and healthy and then since then probably over the last really since the beginning of a lockdown I've been trying to like promote it further I was kind of just using it I had a couple of thousands of followers but like since the start of lockdown I've been like right no let's actually use this platform because I've got a following I may as well use it to share my story about sports and exercise medicine share perhaps some up-to-date health care topics um, and talk about stuff which I hope are helpful and fun as well because I think there's been a lot in the media I don't know if you've seen like hashtag med bikini which is basically Oh. Yeah, I know. Another high roll because I'm just it. But um, just to share my life as well, because we are doctors, we are women in medicine, and we have a life that isn't just wearing scrubs. So I, I did a poll on my profile and was like, what shall I share? Shall I share sport? Shall I share lifestyle? Shall I share workouts? shall I share medicine stuff and it literally was like 50 50 on all of them so like I did two different polls and it was 50 50 so now I just share a bit of everything so my profile is the gym medic and I share all of those things really bits and bobs about my life and and where kind of I get my motivation for keeping up what I'm doing staying not burnt out in medicine and keeping myself healthy because I always say another awful saying like you've got to fill up your own cup before giving to others and I think that's not discussed in med school enough um, and I think burnout is mm-hmm. is really rampant really among clinicians so I, I like to talk about it on there as well to make sure that people know that there is support and there are other people out there that are and have struggled in that respect in the past yeah I personally really um found it refreshing because like, when you're on placement there's never really a time or place to talk about the things people are doing outside of medicine there's either a patient in the room or something else and it's like oh my god you're literally a machine and then I go home thinking why can I not do everything you don't see the other side of um their life and that's why I and especially like your post about the sports injury stuff and it's just really helpful stuff and I just trust it coming from like yourself and I think that's very much testament to kind of how you hold yourself on social media because I know being a doctor doesn't just make you trustworthy just because you're on social media so it's a tricky bridge have you ever found um, yourself gosh this is too much or too little and questioning more than you would if you weren't necessarily qualified as a doctor absolutely every day every single day like sometimes if I post me being like silly on my story or like joking about something I'm like gosh is that okay like can I do that can I not is it appropriate I think we have something as medics which actually should be cherished and that's accountability for what we do you need to have accountability and if you don't then that is we're up to gmc level like you need accountability mm-hmm. for what you do um, and i think other other sort of medical um medical stuff such as physios because of their insurance and things like that they would have the same accountability what i find difficult with social media is those who do not have accountability for what they do i've been on podcast mm-hmm. about waste loss 
products, etc., which is completely unacceptable in certain circumstances. Um, and it's the promotion of things like that on social media that I really am like, oh, I just, I would never do that because it, I wouldn't, I, that's not being accountable. So I think it is interesting. It does definitely, like if I get things into my DMs, like, can you promote this? Can you do that? And I'm very polite, but I'm just like, no, that's not something I'm looking for at the moment. Thank you very much for thinking of me, but no, um, because you do have to be careful on social media. And there are some social media guidelines, which outlined by the BMJ and by the GMT, which kind of outline what you can and can't do on social media. So things like obviously like not following patients, not interacting with patients, et cetera, et cetera, which is something that I sometimes worry about having a social media page, yeah. especially with regards to being a GP because you know people quite well, they properly know your name, et cetera. So that's even more reason why you have to be so careful on your social media and appropriately gauge it. So I'm glad that you said that it's kind of appropriately placed because I do worry sometimes that I, like men bikini i was like my god i posted photos in the bikini was it wrong and then all the women are like no like, yeah. no issue we're, we're, we're women who can wear scrubs and save your life or wear a bikini there's a um, doctor bikini i think on instagram and she's absolutely boss lady she um saves people from surfing incidents and so she's obviously wearing a bikini and she was like look i can save your life wearing scrubs or a bikini there's no difference so but yeah I could go and put clothes on but you might die in the process and the time I'm waiting it's up to you exactly <laughs> oh dear me no and it's the fact that it's women as well if a man was saving your life with his shirt off there would be absolutely no uproar at all I bet they'd actually like it they probably post about it everywhere go on the front page of the news yeah <laughs> it would be and give him a six-pack as well everyone's gonna love him yeah but the women any sort of exposure of her body. Unfortunately, we are still in a position where being a woman, you are not necessarily seen in certain circumstances straight away as equal. Once people know you're a doctor, once people know your role, then perhaps they will treat you as equal. But unfortunately, that shouldn't be the way. They should treat all members of the medical team as equal. But there's still a way to go. And I think stuff like hashtag med bikini is kind of going some way towards that. Um, just underlining that actually like, just wearing bikini isn't inappropriate on social media no yeah hundreds of other people do it and why why choose you exactly um okay wonderful while we're in a reflective mood almost so where do you see the gym medic maybe in 10 years time is that do you have any big goals or don't worry if you don't want to share them that's totally fine <laughs> it's fine and um, i think i'm gonna from a kind of sports exercise point of view continue mm -hmm. that sort of stuff continue trying to kind of make really good connections on it, like having chats with you guys, because it's super great for my own learning as well, because actually like I'm four years down the line and though it's not very long and it will go so quickly for you and you're like, oh, I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. Like you learn, I'm learning so much from you as well. And it's a constant learning process. I think that, that you go through with Instagram, you learn about other people. And so that's the first thing, like I like making connections, like hearing from other people's opinions, because it's a platform for that. And then you can take from it what you want. I think from regards to the gym medic, I would love to improve and increase the kind of scope of the brand. So perhaps running um, online fitness, holistic lifestyle, kind of not a clinic, but being like a fitness and lifestyle, not coach, I hate that word, but advisor. And I would love to run a clinic. My dream would be to run a holistic clinic, which is run by GPs, but also has members of the MDT, i.e. physios, um, nurses, HCAs, but also have holistic medicine in there. So having 
therapists, like massage therapists, etc., to kind of make sure that people are not just well from a physical and mental point of view, also from a spiritual and kind of just ethical point of view, home book clubs, etc., etc. I think mm-hmm. I think GP practices are brilliant, but I think if and it possibly might be a private thing, unfortunately, in today's NHS. But if there was somewhere like that, that you could even have a gym in there, it would just be like this little haven of health. So that would be what I would absolutely love to do. And where that black brand kind of and that clinic would go, I don't know. But that would be cool to do alongside yeah. kind of the sport and expedition medicine stuff. Because my um, boyfriend works in um, expedition medicine a bit as well. So he kind of has a similar Instagram book called Doctor in the Wild, which is a expo thing. So if we could both kind of do sportsmen and expo med, go on trips together, that'd be cool. That sounds amazing. You've got a very active household. <laughs> we just moved house as well. So we're both like, oh my God. He's done like eight months of A&E, managed to publish a new website. I'm like, a move house. I, d- I don't know. Oh my gosh. survived it, but we have. <laughs> I think everyone's found some new like newfound stamina to get through this period and everyone's doing the resilience I've seen in the last four months has been like none other and it's very exciting it is it's mad isn't it it's cool it's like obviously we're in a well I'm certainly in a fortunate position having a job through COVID because obviously it's been a really financially um and mentally difficult time for so many so I feel really Mm -hmm. And it's, it's allowed me actually some space and time to develop skills like video editing and things like that. Obviously, the bottom line is we've been in the middle of pandemic, so that can't yeah. be forgotten. But I think it's important that you take some positives out of this. Otherwise, people's mental health just deteriorate. I loved your um, little series about like starting work and stuff like that because there's so much stuff that they just don't teach you in medical school and this def- this is why I also really love your Instagram because there's a place for personal experiences and being shared and like even finances as well like during lockdown I've really had the time and energy to research into it and I've realized actually you know speaking to medical students they're not that great with um, even though maybe we're not earning at the moment there's still stuff you can be doing and I think that's neglected. I was just going to ask, sort of one of the other reflection questions is, what are you most proud of on what you've done so far? So we've talked about what you're doing in the future. We've got some great plans, but just as a reflective moment for, for you, what are you most proud of so far? I always find this question really, really difficult. And it's funny, I think as medics, we, we never really get any positive praise sometimes, I think. And you always, like, you, you rarely will get some negative feedback. But there's no, so I find it really difficult to reflect in this way. Um, but I would say, I would say, I would say, do you know what? I know it's really cliche, but graduating, honestly, I didn't get through med school easily. I found it a struggle. I, I felt I wasn't clever enough to do medicine. And I, I really, really struggled. I, I nearly dropped out in third year because I was like, I'm done with this. Um, and actually, so that graduation day was just like a, I, I really felt like I wasn't really there. I was just like, I can't believe that this day has actually come. So I, th- I think that would probably be my proudest moment because actually it was the first time where I felt like, gosh, I've really done this with not that much support in that I've got my family, but at my school, you were quite like you mentioned before, spoon fed, etc. but no one else took those exams for me. So I felt like, wow, I've done it. And the second proudest moment was getting my job and retaining my job fingers crossed mm-hmm. at the, uh, the rugby team, because I just was told so many times that um, even as a woman in sport, I wouldn't get those roles. And I just nodded at them and smiled politely. It's mad this is still happening but it, it did so that, that's a really proud moment I absolutely love 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 my time there I'm so glad sport is back gosh amazing yeah I think 
it's exciting I think medicine as a whole is such an exciting career path and people I don't know in medical school because I'm just exposed to hospitals it gets quite easy to think oh just hospital 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 that's why I'm loving doing this podcast just speaking to other people that are doing their own thing and carving out the careers they want and it's really empowering as well um so hopefully all of our listeners have hopefully been inspired and learned some stuff I've definitely learned some stuff and thank you ever so much for speaking to us and it's been amazing thank you I hope it's been okay and yeah anyone listening um if you want to hear more I'm over yeah. at the gym medic on Instagram or yeah. thegymmedic.com um just do a little plug but yeah no I of course it's it's I think it's really important to speak to and peers um and like I said take on board what you want to take on board from this like I really hope I've been kind of helpful in inspiring you to do you make your carve your own path like you mentioned but take on board what I say with a pinch of salt because what I do and what I say might not work for you or you might be like oh my gosh yes this is what I need to do so either way thank you for listening to me and us fab I was gonna say as a final thing there's this quote I really like I think it was by Robert Downey Jr and he he said something like listen smile agree then do whatever the f you were gonna do anyway and i love that so much because sometimes people can tell you things that you think oh my god this is so right for me but other times you people tell you things and you're like uh, excuse me no that's not right for me and i'm gonna do whatever i want to do for me and i think that's what we want to try and reinforce in you guys our listeners to just do what feels right for you and don't be afraid to go against the grain if if that's what your heart and your head is telling you to do absolutely thank you guys bye We hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did find it helpful, please do share this podcast with others who may also benefit. Make sure you hit subscribe to be notified when our next episode is released and leave us a review if you're enjoying the podcast. And make sure to follow us on Instagram at how to become a doctor with Dr. Spelt DR for exclusive quizzes, behind the scenes content and to stay up to date with all things how to become a doctor. Don't forget to follow at MedicMentor2 to learn more about other opportunities to enhance your application. Please do comment under the Instagram posts for each episode if you've got any thoughts, questions, things you like, things we could do differently and what you'd like us to talk about next because we obviously want to do everything we can to support you and let us know and we are very receptive. That's all so take care guys. Have a good one. Bye! Bye.